Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Please turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Pastor uh, is doing a series on teach us how to pray. And I've had one verse in my heart like the whole month. And I was like, is he going to preach on it? Is he going to preach on it? Because I really wanted it for myself. And he didn't preach on it. So hallelujah. That's where we're going today. Matthew chapter 6. We'll read the whole prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. And it starts off in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some of your Bibles may say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This is God's word. Uh, We're going to focus on the, the beginning part of this last verse. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Um, now, I want to come at sort of a unique angle, maybe, uh, to, to this verse. And uh, we're going to talk about the, the evil one and talk about his plan, his strategic plan for you and what he wants to do in your life and how you can stand against that. And uh, specifically, the enemy wants to bring trial into your life. And this word, the word temptation here, that when he says, lead us not into temptation, that can actually be translated trial. Uh, and, and trial is any, man, just any attack of the enemy, uh, just, just evil things that come into our life that he brings. And, uh, and, um, and so, so we know also that these aren't from the Lord. These are from uh, the evil one that he wants to bring attacks against you. Anybody ever been just attacked by the enemy? Um, let me start. Let me, let me just back up a little bit before we dive in. I'm curious to what you, as to what you think when you hear the evil one. Are you like, what kind of church is this? Maybe you're new with us and you're just like, we already sing about like fight my battles. Like, what is that all about? And like, who is this evil one you're talking about? And it's like, I, I promise you, we're not weird. I promise you, we're not a cult at Word of Life, okay? Like, just please hang around. Like, at least hang around long enough to, to, to eat the flesh of a dead man and drink his blood, okay? Um, sorry, that was a little communion joke. I meant to bring my elements up. Uh, but, but uh, so there's an evil one uh, in, this, in this world, and, and he's looking to take us out. And I want to share a story, quick story, uh, about when I faced evil head on. Uh, I, I've, I finally, it was in 2013, I finally got over the trauma of the story through much counseling and therapy, and I just, 
I want to tell you about it. Okay. Can I do that? Okay. Here we go. So 2013, my wife and I we're missionaries in Asia, and our, co- our company has an annual conference in Thailand, which is super cool. We get, we get to spend some time on the beaches of Thailand. Now, uh, in Thailand, there are many just, just beautiful, deserted beaches. Like, like there's, just, there's a resort, and then there's a, a long way away until the next resort, and it's not crowded. It's amazing. It's not the Gulf, for sure. Uh, and, but I love these beautiful stretches of beach that are just unmanned. And so uh, we're staying at a resort on the beach. And actually, my best friend uh, actually was staying in the resort next to us. Now, when I say next to us, it's like a 30-minute walk across the beach, across this deserted beach. There's nothing in between except really thick woods. Like, it's probably from from the screen to right here, uh, from the distance between the woods to the water. And so uh, just really thick brush and all that. And so uh, we decide one night, it's really pleasant. We're going to walk. We're, we're, we're having dinner with my friend and his wife, and we're going to walk. We decided to walk to our, like a nice, pleasant walk on the beach with my wife. You know, what's better than that? You know, walking on the beach with your wife. Come on now. And so you're walking. There's some newlyweds right over here. Uh, we're walking. <laughs> we're walking on the beach and just enjoying it. We have go have dinner, have a great dinner. And we're like, you know what? Let's just walk back. Like it's dark, but like, we're, man, we're just, we'll just enjoy a walk together. So we're, we, we, we walk back. We're walking back to our resort and we're the only ones walking. And I underestimated how dark this excursion would actually be. I mean, it's 30 minutes. Like you, so you walk away from the resort that has lights, and it's a long way before there are any more lights. So before we know it, we are in pitch black dark. And, I, you know, I'm like, we're soaking up time together. It's fun. I got my, my bride's hand. I'm, I'm, you know, walking. Like, this is amazing. We're in Thailand. The stars are shining. The ocean's crashing. It's beautiful. Until I hear a sound coming from the woods. And I stop and I look over and I kid you not, I see out of the darkness, two beady eyes staring at me. And I'm standing there just trying to figure out what's happening, trying to wrap my mind around this. And I see all of a sudden see two more eyes, then two more eyes, then two more eyes. And all I could think about was this is a pack of wolves that are about to run out of these woods and eat me alive. Like no, no doubt that it, like my life flashed before my eyes. I'm like trying to figure out like, do I dive in the ocean and risk the sharks or do I like try to kick and punch? And I got my wife here, like, God, this can't be it. This can't be the way I go out. And all, but I mean, all I could do in that moment, I was frozen. All I could do was say, babe, turn around and run. And so we turned around and we just started sprinting back across the beach. And I'm like, okay, any second now I'm going to hear just like slobbering, like, like gnarling like sounds about like these wolves are about to just take us out. And of course I let her run ahead of me because I'm sacrificing myself for my wife and chivalry and all that. But, uh, but I'm terrified. It was like staring evil in the face, like Lord Jesus save us. And Hallelujah, he rescued us. 
we got to the resort and I mean, out of breath, panting and just hearts racing. Like we just, just were, God snatched us from the claws of death. Hallelujah. And uh, we took a taxi back to the, to the resort. Uh, we did not walk anymore. We took a taxi. And man, we're just the rest of the night. We're just like, oh my goodness, can you believe that? Like God just saved us from like these killer wolves. And, um, and so the next day, you know, we were supposed to go back and have lunch uh, with my friend. And I was like, man, I just don't know if I could walk that walk again. But it's, but it's daytime and I felt a little sheepish about how scared I'd been. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a man and we're going to walk back. We're going to walk that stretch again. There was more people this time. It's daylight. Maybe, you know, surely the killer wolves are only out at night. And so we're walking and we get back to the same spot. And I heard the same sound, the rustling, the, the leaves, branches crackling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here it is again. But this time I got a little braver and I was like, I just have to see what it is. And so like I get closer to the woods and my heart is racing. I'm like peering through the trees trying to catch a glimpse. I see something moving. I get closer and closer and I look and I see this ferocious group of killer cows (laughs) munching ferociously on some grass. And I felt like an idiot. (laughs) I felt like an idiot. Uh, But the fear was so real. And man, I I promise you, I was like, my life flashed before my eyes. It was just, it was, it was truly encountering the face of evil. Uh, But it, it, you know, it was just a, it was just a, a pack, a herd of killer cows. And thank God it wasn't real, but you know, we know evil is real on this earth, and you know, hopefully you have never, I'm sure you've probably never faced a pack of killer cows, but I'm sure you have faced evil maybe in the form of a diagnosis, or you've got a bad report from your doctor, or you were unexpectedly fired from your job, or man, maybe you had a spouse just quit on you. Uh, maybe, maybe you uh, just had unexpected bills that came in and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this, God. Uh, these are attacks from the enemy. Maybe you just somebody in your life, man, they just keep coming after you. And you don't know why. It's just an attack from the enemy. It's just an attack. And, and the enemy brings these, these trials in our life. And Jesus here in this passage is telling us to pray. Like, Lord, lead us not to temptation. It's not, lead us not to trial. And it's not asking God, please don't put this on us because we know that God doesn't do that. John chapter 10, verse 10 is very clear that the thief, who? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus said to bring you life and life more abundantly. Let's just get this clear right here at the beginning that it is not God who puts these things on you. God doesn't send killer cows. (laughs) It's not God. It's it's the thief. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Man, many people are confused about this. Like they they think about, they think God brought it on them and and they, 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 they don't want to have anything to do with a God that would do that. Now, to be honest with you, I don't either. Maybe you're here in this place and you're not even sure why you're here this morning. You're, you, 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 you and God aren't on good terms. And, and you know, something happened in your life and you're blaming God for it. And you're like, man, I just, if God's going to do that to me, then psh, he can find somebody else to serve him. 
I've, I've been there. I wouldn't want to serve a God like that either, though. But that's not our God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that, that our God is a God. He, he's come to give life and life more abundantly. That the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy comes to bring trials into your life. And this prayer of Jesus is more like, hey, when you face these trials, invite me in. Like, I want to help you. There's a way of escape because you know what? I'm a deliverer. God, how many know God is a deliverer? That, that every trial that comes in your life, there is a but. This prayer is, Lord, lead us not into trial or temptation, but deliver us from evil. For every trial that comes into your life, there is a but. For every sickness that comes against you, there is a but healing. For every, 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 every temptation, every, everything, every weapon that the enemy forms against you, it will not prosper in Jesus' name. But these, these trials, what are they for? What, what's the enemy's strategy in this? Think with me here for a second. What, what's the enemy trying to do by, by bringing these troubles and trials to you? He's trying to destroy, but he, you know how he does it? He's, it's his same scheme from the beginning. He does it by trying to slip in lies to you. The, why? Because the enemy knows that he cannot, as a child of God, he cannot just snatch you from God's hand. That you're a child of God, man. That you're, you're signed, sealed, and delivered by the blood of Jesus. Uh, that you have authority. In the, name. The, the enemy knows what kind of authority you have. He, he knows that more than many believers know that. He, the enemy knows that, that, that Jesus has defeated him and stripped him of power, and he's given us the name of Jesus to use against him. He knows that. But he also knows that if he can get you to believe a lie, then he can get you to forfeit that standing of victory. He, he can remove you from a position of strength, and that is when he can kill, st steal, and destroy in your life. You can put that back up, uh, that, what I had there, that note. Trials, trials are designed by the evil one to separate you from truth and to deposit lies. Through these lies, he can steal, kill, and destroy. So remember this, the enemy brings trial against you to separate you from truth to separate you from truth through lies. Uh, we got a bunch of Southerners here, so, uh, and it's almost uh, football season, so allow me to use this analogy. The enemy wants to come, and he wants to separate you from the football. He wants to get you to fumble the ball. It's like, you know, your team is, is, is behind, but they're marching down the field and uh, man, you're, you're at the end zone and the quarterback drops back and he sees the receiver wide open the end zone and, uh, you know, he quarterback throws the ball and the receiver, he, he, his arms are open, the ball comes in, he wraps his arms around it, looks like he catches it. You start to scream until all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the safety comes and just plows right into him. And what happens? The ball pops loose. Game over. Ugh. All he had to do was just hang on to the ball. And that's so true with, with us as, as believers. Man, if we'll just hang on to the ball, like if, if we'll just hang on to God's word and what he says about us, like, man, we, 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 we win every time, every time. 
And so it sounds, it sounds really easy though, though, right? But we know, you and I know, we, we live in this fallen world. We, we've gone, we've been through stuff, man. We know that it's, man, it's not, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's not quite as easy as it, as it sounds. We've all experienced these gut punches. Anybody ever had a, just a gut punch? Man, I had a gut punch in 2018. My dad was diagnosed with stage four kidney cancer. He had just finished his third Ironman triathlon. He was in tip top shape. And then boom, gut punch, sitting across the dinner table from my mom telling us that they found cancer all over his body. Man, immediately lies started to swirl. Thoughts started to swirl. I mean, fear started to grip me. I'd love to tell you that as a pastor, man, I rose up, you know, and just started quoting scripture immediately. It's not, it's not what happened. I fumbled the ball. I, I, was, I, I, was, I was just devastated and gripped by fear. And I, immediately I started thinking about his funeral. Uh, and I just was so overcome with sorrow and like, how could this happen? God, where are you in this? And the enemy's lying to me that, you know, all that I've learned about healing isn't real. And, and so it took, for me, it took, uh, it took a few days, man, to find the football again. And I had a, a meeting I was supposed to lead of leaders at our church. And, and these are like Navy SEAL believers. And uh, I didn't want to go because I was just sitting in my sorrow. Uh, but, I, but God told me to go. So I went and I told him what happened. And man, I wish you could have seen what happened. Uh, they surrounded me with faith, man. The spirit of faith. They, they, you, you need people in your life that are going to surround you in those times of trouble. They surrounded me. They spoke the word of God over me. They prayed over me. And man, I left with a, with a renewed fire in my belly, with, man, a renewed belief and renewed faith in the promises of God. I thank God for, uh, for those, those people. I needed them in my, in my life. Um, to get me back into truth. And that is, if the enemy, if he can bring destruction in our life through lies, then that means that God wants to bring deliverance to you through truth. And, and maybe you're in this place where you've dropped the ball somewhere. Maybe you're far from God and, man, just, just drowning in hopelessness. Man, you need to find the ball again. You need to find God's promises for you. Lies lead to destruction, but truth leads to deliverance. Amen? And that's what the God's word is just full of truth for you and for me. Uh, Mary and Martha received a gut punch in John chapter 11. Let's turn there. We're going to uh, go through this story. I'm going to pick out a few verses here. We're going to go through this story uh, and then we're going to end in communion. Everybody doing okay? All right. John chapter 11, this is a story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And if you're new to the Bible, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were a family that Jesus was very close to. He spent a lot of time with. Uh, he loved them deeply. And uh, Chapter 11 starts off telling us that Lazarus was sick. And Mary and Martha, man, they just it, it hit him out of nowhere. It was a gut punch, and all they knew to do was just to call Jesus. And Jesus said in verse 4, this is, this is how he responded. He said, when Jesus heard that he was sick, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God 
may be glorified through it. So Mary and Martha are just distraught over this sickness, but you know what? Jesus gave them, gave them a promise. Jesus said, guys, don't worry. Hey, I know it looks bad. I know it looks like a gut punch, but hey, don't worry. I'm coming and I'm gonna be glorified in this. And not because the sickness came from God, but because God was gonna deliver Lazarus from this. He was going to deliver him from death. He gave them a promise. And uh, there's actually three things that Jesus gave Mary and Martha through this process. He gave them a promise. He gave him his presence and he gave them a plan. Whenever you get punched in the gut by Satan, just know this. God has a promise and God has his presence and God has a plan. Verse five says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Uh, now, why did they need that? Well, because the next verse says, so when, in verse six, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed. Jesus stayed two more days in the place where he was. Man, just, okay, just picture this. Put yourself, put yourself in Mary and Martha's shoes. Like, this is their brother, Lazarus. He's, he's sick unto death. Like, he looks like he's about to die. They call for Jesus, the, the only one they know who can help. And what does Jesus do? He sends a promise, but then he waits. It's like, you, you, like, Jesus, why didn't you come right, right, right away? He, he waited. So now they have, there's this period of time where they're just, they're just waiting. You know, waiting time, that time you, can use either, you can use time to either feed your fear or you can use time to feed your faith. And Mary and Martha, look, look what happens to Mary and Martha. Look at, look at what they did. Uh, verse 17, Jesus finally comes, but before he can get there, Lazarus dies. And it says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Okay, so here we go. So Jesus finally comes to the, the place. He, he's finally come, but some time has passed. And Martha comes out. And instead of being like, Jesus, you're finally here to fulfill your promise. The tomb is this way. Let's go. No, what did Martha do? He said, Jesus, God, if you had only been here, he wouldn't have died. Like, where were you? She's like stricken with grief and she's angry and bitter at the Lord, Jesus. But I got to give her props for actually coming to Jesus. You know, Mary, I mean, Martha gets kind of a bad rap sometimes. You know, she's the one who like, she was too busy working at the house to come sit at the feet of Jesus when, when Mary was like, oh, Jesus, you know. And Martha's like busy in the kitchen and all that. So we were like, oh, don't be a Martha, be a Mary. Well, in this situation, I got to give Martha some credit. She came out to meet Jesus. She, did, she, she, she came to God with all of her doubts and all of her frustrations, all of her anger. I mean, God is not scared of your doubt, Man, God's not scared of your anger. God's not scared of your frustration. Man, air it out with him. Man, go read Psalms. I read Psalms, I'm like, oh, you can say that to God? 
like, like the psalmist is like just just brutally honest with God. I'm like waiting for the lightning to strike, you know. But Martha was not afraid just to let it out and let Jesus have it. Some of you need to go just let God have it. You've been, you've been boiling, you've just been binding up this frustration and trying to be proper. You come to church and try to put on a good face and man, you're angry. You just need to tell God you're angry. Go, go wrestle with him. So I give Martha credit. Mary, on the other hand, Mary didn't come out to meet Jesus. It said Mary just stayed where she was. Wait, isn't this the same Mary that like worshiped at Jesus' feet? You know, like she's the worshiper. It's like, no, th- not, not this time. Man, she's, she's kind of like me. I'm a feeler, you know, like sometimes I get lost in my feels. I'll be honest with you. And I get in a funk, my wife can tell you. Uh, and I got to get out of the funk. And I think Mary was just in a funk, man. I think she just was like overcome by the sorrow of the moment. And she just couldn't handle like coming to Jesus, the one who let her down. It's fascinating what happens next. G- Martha finally does come out. I mean, Mary finally does come out to Jesus in uh, verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, saw Mary weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, what's happening here in this scene? Mary comes and she's like, Jesus, why? She said the same thing Martha did. Why? If you'd only been here, you wouldn't have died. And she's sitting in his feet. And so Jesus looks at at Mary. And then he looks at the Jews that are standing right there. And he he looks at Mary. And I think he he must have been like, Mary, I, I told you I was coming. Like I promised you I'd come and I'd perform a miracle. Like, did you not trust me? And I think he looked at the Jews and he realized, man, these Jews, they must have talked you out of your faith. These Jews who were not super high on Jesus, you know, they, I imagine maybe at the beginning with Mary and Martha, they went to comfort Mary and Martha and that Mary and Martha probably were like, no, it's okay. Don't, don't, you don't have to comfort me. Jesus is coming. He's going to perform a miracle. I just know it any, any second now. And then one day went by, two days went by and the Jews are like, are you really, are you sure he's coming? Are you sure, like, he's good for his promises? Are you sure he's a man of his word? Isn't that like the enemy in our life? It's like you're believing for a promise, and it just doesn't happen when you think it should happen, and the enemy comes, and he's like, I don't know if you really, I don't think you're really in faith about this. Who are you to believe God for something like that? God doesn't want you to have that. He's too busy to worry about your request. This is, these, these are the voices in Mary and Martha's ear. And I think Jesus is looking at Mary on the ground, like we, weeping. He's like, Mary, you're, you're a worshiper, not a weeper. Like, Mary, you know me. You know me. You know how much I love you. I made you a promise. Don't you know that when I make you a promise, like I'm going to come through? I think Jesus was literally heartbroken at the thought of of Mary abandoning what she knew about Jesus. And man, I I want you to feel the compassion for Mary, and I want you to feel Jesus' compassion for you when you go through seasons of doubting. When you go through moments of temptation to believe that God's promises may not be true for you. Man, God is looking over you, and he's like, my child... 
Like, don't you know how much I love you? Like, God's not mad at your unbelief. God wants to love you back to believe. God's not mad at your lack of faith. He wants to love you back to faith. I think sometimes we, we feel like you know, we have doubts and we have to hide them from God until we can get our act together. And man, no, 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 brother and sister, like God is looking over you and he's like, don't you know how much I love you? Don't you know? Don't you know how much I care for you? How much I want to come through for you? I'm the deliverer. Invite me in. That's the whole point of Jesus' prayer. He told us to pray, Lord, Lord, lead us out of these tribulations. Lord, I'm facing something that I can't, I can't, be, I can't deliver myself through. I need you, I need the deliverer to come, and I need you to help me through. He wants to be with us in our weakness. He wants to, to love you back to faith. And he did that for Mary and Martha in such a unique way to each of them. He knows exactly what you need, and it's different from what I need. He knows how to talk to you, and it's different than the way he talks to me. That's how personal Jesus is. Uh, he, he gives his presence. This is him giving his presence. This is him loving us back to faith. And so he's given us his promise. He's given us his presence. And then he also gives us a plan. So he, he, he takes them to the tomb. He loves them back to faith. They, they develop this confidence again in the Lord. And then he takes them to the tomb. And I love this. He gives three commands. The first one is roll away the stone. Take away the stone. Now, Martha's still working on this whole faith thing. She says, get this, this, is, this, this trips me out. She said, Lord, it smells too bad in there. I can't roll away the stone. It smells too bad. What? Okay, Martha, you just lost all the props I just gave you. Like she, she, here he is. She's, she's wanting to stop a miracle of God because it smells too bad. What? That's how silly our unbelief is sometimes in the face of, in light of a God who wants to do a miracle in our lives. But nevertheless, they, they, they yielded to Jesus. They were obedient to Jesus. They rolled the stone away. And the second command was to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. You know how many know Lazarus had to respond to that command? I think there, there, there are plenty of people, man, like God wants to resurrect you out of that gloomy place you've been in. But you know what you have to do? You got to put your feet on the ground. You got to walk out of the tomb. You got to brave the light. It may be alarming to you at first, but you got to walk out of that tomb. You know, he talked to, talked to the man who was crippled at the pool and he said, do you want to be healed? What a question. It was almost like, a, it was also almost an offensive type question. It's like, of course I want to be healed. But you know, sometimes we get comfortable in our pain. We get comfortable in our victimhood. We get comfortable with our, with our trial. And, and, but Jesus, so, so Lazarus had to respond to come out of the grave. That's the second command. The third command was loose him and let him go. He came out wrapped in grave clothes. But this command wasn't to Lazarus. This command was to the people around him. That he came out of the grave, but he still looked like the grave. He came out of death, but he still looked like death. He's still wrapped up, bound. You know, sometimes we, we, it, it's a process of deliverance for us. Uh, sometimes we, we need people around us to help unravel the lies of the enemy that try to wrap themselves around us. You need people in your life to unwrap lies from you. You need it. 
When I was going through the stuff with my dad and I, I went to that meeting with those amazing believers, what did they do when they were speaking truth over me? They were unwrapping me from the tomb I had been in for a few days. They were, they were unwrapping me and they were dressing me with my robes of righteousness again. Man, we need people like that in our lives to unravel the grave clothes and put on the robes of righteousness. Amen. And so Lazarus rose and man, all glory to Jesus. How many, man, praise God for the deliverance of Jesus. Hallelujah. He's a deliverer. He's a deliverer. He's a deliverer and he wants to restore, he wants to restore confidence back to you and his delivering power in your life. Where is your confidence today? Well, where, where, maybe you've been going through just some, some difficult situations. I, I get it, man. Again, my dad had another heart attack three weeks ago. This is an everyday thing for me. Every day I'm tempted to fear. I'm tempted to fumble the ball. This is an everyday thing for me, remembering the promises of God. Three out of four of my kids have been in the ICU in their life. Like, we've had to fight. Like, I know you've had to fight. I got phone calls this week of members that are just having to fight through things. I know you, you're probably fighting through some stuff. Where's your confidence in the promise of God as you fight? Hebrews 10, 35, this verse has been in my heart, and then we'll take communion. I love this passage. There's so much in it. Hebrews 10, 35, go home and meditate on this. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great, what? Reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. There may be a waiting period. It may take some time between when you pray and when you receive. You have need of endurance. Don't give up. Don't fumble the ball. It goes on, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. And this is talking about Jesus at the end of all time, but it's also talking about when we're waiting on him for a promise. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If you choose to embrace a lie and walk away from God, man, you're setting yourself up for destruction. Verse 39, this is our verse, guys. All right, can we just make this our, like, our verse, like our Holland Colony word of life verse? This is it right here. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, to destruction. Here, here's the but. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Somebody say, I'm a believer. Come on, say it with boldness. I'm a believer. Man, we are not those who, are gonna, who fumble the ball. We're not those who, who let trial and tribulation, man, separate us from God. We're not those who give up on a promise. We're those who believe to the saving of the soul. Man, I just pray that over you. I pray that you have such a confidence and a boldness. You have such a confidence in what this book says about you. Like, if you don't know who you are, find who you are in this book. Find out what belongs to you. Read Romans, read Ephesians, read Philippians, Colossians. They'll tell you what belongs to you. You know what? You, you can grab a hold of it. And you can say, you know what? I don't, I don't see this in my life right now, but like, I believe this is true for me because I have faith in Jesus. And man, God wants to restore confidence back to you. And that's why Jesus told us to come to the table so often. This is why we take communion 
regularly because the table has the truth, man, to help us overcome any trial. The table has truth to help us overcome any trial. If you need confidence today, look no further than the bread. It's the body of Jesus broken for you. It represents healing for your body. It represents peace for your mind. It represents peace against anxiety and worry and fear. Man, look no further than the blood of Jesus that washes us white as snow. You're struggling with guilt and condemnation? Man, come get some confidence today. Come drink the blood and get some confidence today. That, man, your sin is washed as white as snow. Man, are you afraid for your life? Are you afraid of tragedy? Man, come drink the blood. It's the blood of the doorpost like in the Old Testament where evil passed over because the blood was covering them. This is the blood of the new covenant. It represents represents protection for us. Man, go read Psalm 91. No evil shall befall me. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. You've given your angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways, lest I dash my foot against the stone. Do you know that verse, that passage? Do you have confidence in it? Man, because of the blood of Jesus. Man, I I plead the blood of Jesus over my kids before they go to school. And you need to as well. You need to have confidence in the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus told us to take communion often and to remember. Why? Because sometimes it's a long time between when we stand and when we see we stand for a promise and, and then we see it. And we need to remember who he is. Amen. Let's stand up together. We're going to take communion today to remember that we serve a God who delivers. And that word deliver, actually one definition, I love this. I, I read it when I was studying. One definition of deliver is to bring to oneself. And if you need communion elements, you can raise your hand. They'll, they'll bring it to you. But one definition of deliver is to bring to oneself. And I love that. Because at the table, Jesus is, at the communion table, Jesus is bringing us to himself. And he's saying, I want you to remember what I did for you. That your deliverance isn't based on your performance. It's based on my performance. Amen. Jesus went through the ultimate temptation, the ultimate trial. You know, he could have easily called down angels against the Romans and saved himself from the cross, but he chose not to because of you. Because if he had, the table wouldn't mean anything to us. But now, because of the table, his broken body means your body doesn't have to be broken. Because of the, the, the blood of Jesus, it means that, 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 that you're, uh, man, that, that you have life and you don't have to, to suffer at the hands of the enemy. Amen. Amen. It's good news. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just here for a moment. If you're in this place and you say, man, Pastor Chase, I, I, I do feel like I've just let the enemy run all over my life. He's killed, he's stolen, he's destroyed in my life. And I'm ready to, I'm ready to become a child of promise. I'm ready for some deliverance in my life. 
I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you have at one point and man, maybe for some reason you fumbled the ball and you've just been on a wrong path and you want to get back on the right path today, the path of deliverance. If, if that's you on any one of those accounts, would you, just, would you just lift up your hand today as a way of saying, I want to start a new journey with God. If that's anybody here, just lift up your hand. Amen. I see the hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Amen. 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 Choosing to grab the hold of the ball again. Amen. Amen. Everybody just repeat this prayer out of me after me. Say, dear God, I thank you for delivering me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to deliver me from sin to deliver me from death, to deliver me from destruction, to deliver me from fear. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for putting me back on the right path, the path of deliverance. I thank you for rescuing me. I choose to believe your promises today. I choose to hold on to them until I see them come to pass. I choose to walk the path that you have for me towards a bright future, a future of hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.